I thought about this is whenever we were dismissing our, our students. How cool is it that we have a student leader named Christian? Isn't that great? You just like totally don't feel bad about sending your kids out. Hey, go with him. He seems like a great. We have, we have great, great student leaders, and he has a life to back up the name, that's for sure. Um, we're continuing our series called Taking a Fresh Look at Christmas, and we are in the second week of that. And last week we talked about Jesus, and we, we talked about what life would be like if Jesus had never been born. You ever thought about that? And we, we went through some of the things in society and how life from then until now has been influenced because of Jesus, and, and we took a good look at, at what it could have potentially been like if he hadn't have been born. And we're taking this series, and we're looking through different lenses of Christmas, maybe some lenses that you've never thought about before. Um, and today, we're looking at the lens through Joseph. So we're, we're asking the question, what did Christmas look like through the eyes of Joseph? Look, have you ever wondered why God picked him? I mean, here's this guy named Joseph. Maybe his parents called him Joe. We don't know. And, and God looked at him and said, I want you to be the one to father my son, Jesus. I mean, why did he pick, why did he pick Joseph? Did, did he come up with Joseph randomly? Was it the luck of the draw? Maybe it was a godly game of eeny, meeny, miny, moe, right? And God's just eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Of course, I'm, I'm being facetious and a little bit ridiculous, but what is it about Joseph that God saw in him that he picked him to father the Son of God, Jesus, here on earth? God, God entrusts a lot of blessings to us. He entrusts a lot of jobs to us for us to carry out on this planet, all of us. But can you imagine being entrusted with Jesus to father or parent Jesus, particularly father, since we're talking about Joseph? What, what, what was it about Joseph that God said, you're the guy? You're, you're the one. We don't know a lot about it, but we do have some hints um, in the Christmas story, as we call it. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 19, this is what it says. Read along with me. It says, Joseph, her fiancé, talking about Mary, was a good man. Can you say good man? He was a good man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, it says that he was a good man. I'm not going to get all deep and theological here, but in the original language, in the Greek, that word good there, it said that Joseph was a just man. It said that he was in right standing with God. You ever heard of the word righteous? It just means in right standing. It says that, that was Joseph. And it, it, it also means he was of pure character. So this was a man who was just, he was righteous, and he had pure character. But how do we really, how do we really know that? How do we really know that was Joseph? Although there's not an extensive outline of Joseph's life, there are six things that we can gather from this story that's recorded in the Bible that shows why Joseph was just, why he was in right standing with God, and why he had a pure character. And I just I want to take the time we have today and go through those six things, and then I want to come back, and, and I want to ask us some very powerful questions, okay? Is that okay? All right, so here we go. The, the first thing that we see in Joseph is that he pursued an honorable profession. He pursued an honorable profession. Mark chapter 6 tells us that Jesus was the son of a carpenter. So we know that Joseph was a carpenter by trade. Now, there's nothing specifically holy about being a carpenter, but the Bible does put a high emphasis on the value of a good work ethic. 
and he puts a, a, a value on, on hard work. If you think about it, it was one of the first things that God did when he put Adam in the garden. He said, I want you to, to work the garden. I want you to tend the garden. He put Adam to work in Genesis chapter 2. We, we can read that. In the New Testament, uh, the apostle Paul, in, he was talking to the Colossian church in chapter 3, verse 23. This is how what he instructs them, and this is what he instructs us as the church today. He says, whatever you do, work, work at it with all your heart. A high emphasis on, on hard work. He says, do it like you're working for the Lord and not for men. So Joseph, he must have had this one down to be considered a good man because God entrusted Joseph to pass this down to Jesus. So he, he pursued an honorable profession. He also did something else. He made a lifelong commitment to Mary. In the, second, or in the first part of verse 18 in Matthew 1, this is what it says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. He, he didn't just commit to Mary a little part of himself. He committed to Mary in a, in a holy covenant relationship. He didn't just say, I'm going to be with you until, you know, I get tired of you, or I'm going to leave this little back door, this little escape clause in case, in case something happens. He said, I'm going to meet your needs for the rest of your life. Now, keep in mind, this was before he ever heard about Jesus. This was before he ever knew he was going to father the Son of God on earth. He devoted himself to her, to remain with her, to be exclusively hers. And this is no small matter. Marriage should not be entered into lightly. Does anybody agree with that? But men of good character know that this is a good thing to do. Did you know that statistics say that the average age of people getting married is a lot older than it used to be? Used to be, I think 30 or 40 years ago, the statistics will say that it was around 20 years old that people would commit themselves this way in marriage. But today, it's around 30. It's 10 years older and sometimes even higher than that. Why is that? I can tell you why. It's because people have commitment phobia. They, they see marriages failing all around them, and they're scared to commit. They, they don't want to commit. Joseph had no such thing. He stepped up to the plate with courage. He made the commitment to marry, and because of this, we know that he was a good man. He made a lifelong commitment to marry. He also did this, thirdly, he honored God with his body. He honored God with his body. The second part of verse 18 says this. It says, but before their marriage even took place, while she was still a virgin, everybody say virgin. About half of you just got really uncomfortable right then. Oh, my goodness, where is he going with this? While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. What that says is that they were waiting for marriage to have sex. Okay? Joseph, half of you, the other half of you just got really wide-eyed because I said sex right then. Just a, a caveat, sex is in the Bible. You know that, right? It's worth talking about because Joseph honored God with his body. How many of you want your kids to honor God with their bodies? How many of us should be honoring God with our bodies? Joseph did that. They were waiting for marriage. Now, we don't know all of Joseph's history, but we do know that there's a reason why God chose him. And we know that he and Mary were waiting and keeping themselves pure until marriage. Now, in this society today, this is a very strange thing. We live in a world where the average age for a first sexual experience is between 14 and 15 years old, depending on if you're a boy or a girl. That, that's what the statistics say. It's very easy for, for young kids coming up and even for old minds alike to think that it's, it's just because it's common that it's an okay thing to do. That, that just because everybody's doing it, that our society is just pounding us with, with, with this message that it's okay. 
that I can, I can have a, a casual, you know, consensual relationship like that with, without any ties, non-committing, and there's going to be no fault. But we know because of the fallout on many of these relationships, the consequences are always far-reaching. They are. One of the biggest lies of our time is that sex can be casual between two consenting people, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. But when we take our cues from culture rather than Christ, then the, the consequences of that show up every single time. They do. Joseph may have been out of touch with 21st century ideas, but his commitment is an evidence that he was a good man. He honored God with his body. Fourthly, he treated Mary graciously. Joseph treated Mary graciously. I, I want you to get the picture here. Joseph was pledged to his sweetheart to be married. And then all of a sudden, he finds out she's pregnant. Can you just, you know, we, we read that and we think, yeah, Jesus was born, hallelujah, the angel saying, get the picture here. This was a man just like you or me, if you're a guy in the room, whose fiance that he's committed to turns up pregnant. What do you think his heart was doing? It broke in a million pieces. He had all these questions. But the interesting part about Joseph is he did not throw her to the curb like he could have. Look at what the, the last part of verse 19 says. It says that Joseph did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, this was an actual, in these days, was an actual type of divorce because an engagement was a binding agreement in this culture and in this era. So they just hadn't come together as husband and wife yet. But I'm sure he went through the whole range of emotions. I, I'm sure he asked the questions, how could you do this to me? I'm sure he laid in bed at night angry and probably either thought about or asked the question, where is this guy so I can kill him? And we think, no, it's a Bible character. He would never do that. H have you read the scriptures about what people do in the Bible, men, before God gets a hold of them? I mean, this, this guy had the emotions just like you or I. He, he's a good guy. He knows they haven't slept together. He's committed himself to her, but now she turns up pregnant. And the only thought is, the only conceivable thought is that she's cheated on him. She's run out on him. Who, who is this other guy? He probably wants to know. And there's so many things he could do here because, again, he's just a normal guy. But the fact, that in a different translation even emphasizes one of the words that says that he was angry. But he was noble, it goes on to say. And it says that he, he decided to break things off quietly, not for himself, but so that Mary wouldn't be disgraced publicly. This was a big deal in that culture. He feels every bit of pain, but he chooses not to act on the emotion. Now, he, he could have spread junk about Mary all over town. He could have went to her family and friends and shamed her. He, he could have done all this. Or he could have honored his commitment to her, even when it looks like she hasn't honored hers to him. And he can deal with this with as little damage as possible. And that's what he did. He treated Mary with grace. You want to talk about love? You want to talk about the love of God? The Bible says that even whenever we had our backs turned on Jesus, that's when he came and died for us and put himself on the line. That's, that's the love of God. That's what Joseph was doing. Joseph was a good, pure-hearted man. He also listened and obeyed the voice of God. Even when the instructions were really messed up, according to what he probably felt humanly. He listened to and obeyed the voice of God. Now, he, he's just found out his bride is pregnant, and he's not the father. That says run. You know what I mean? 
let, let me get out of here. But despite his emotions, despite probably what his friends were telling him, he decides that he's going to, to not embarrass her, meaning he's going to do the right thing. And he's thinking all this out. He's thinking, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it quietly so nobody knows about it. And, and he's sleeping, and all of a sudden this angel comes up in his sleep and, and, and tells him this message from God. Now, we all know how the story ends. We're going to read it in just a second. But I'm thinking to myself, if I'm in this situation, it would take an angel. You know what I'm saying? And, and Joseph, he, he had this angel come to him. And in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, this is, what, uh, this is what it says. It says, as he considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is what the angel says to him. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you know for like half a second he was like, what? <laughs> what? You know? And, and I'm sure we're, when we read it, we're kind of like, what? We're wondering what in the world here. And then he's listening, and the angel says, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. That's important. The angel said, you're to name him. And you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, he had already made up his mind what he was going to do. And as far as he was concerned, it was a very noble way to do it. But the angel comes and gives him two specific instructions from God. The first one is, don't break off the engagement with Mary. Stay with her. Okay? The second one is, be a father to this child. Now, here's how we know that. Because he said, I want you to name him Jesus. Did you know that in this culture, only fathers name their sons? So he said, I, I want you to name him Jesus. I said, I, he said, I, I, I don't want you to break off the engagement. Stay with her, and I want you to be a father to him. I want you to name him Jesus. Good men always keep one ear towards God. And I say one ear. We should have our, our whole lives pointed at him, but sometimes we're trying to figure things out in the natural world. We're dealing with emotions. We're dealing with scars. We're dealing with pain. And, and, and we're focused on it, but good men, good women, they, they have one ear towards, towards God at all times because you never know when God may be trying to speak to you. Even when it seems like you're doing the right thing, even when it seems like you're doing the noble thing, you will not ever understand the priorities of God unless you get in his presence and have an ear to him. You need to understand that. God is not going to just all of a sudden overwhelm you with his priorities. You have to have an ear towards him and be willing to listen to him. And nine times out of ten, in my own experience and what I read in the scriptures, his priorities sometimes have, are, are the complete opposite of what we feel like is the right thing to do. I don't know about you, but I want to listen to the guide who knows my story from beginning to end and knows where I'm going when I can't see. I, I want to listen to him even though it doesn't make sense sometimes to me. Or do you feel the same way? Good men always keep an ear to God. When he speaks, they listen and they obey. Number six. He was a fully engaged father to Jesus. He engaged fully in fatherhood to Jesus. He, he listens. Now, he, he, he was going to run the other direction and, and do it in a noble way. But he, he listens and he obeys God. And so he fully engages in God's plan and to Mary. He made the best arrangements that he could have for the birth. Now, he didn't have the best, the best resources, but he did the very best he could with the resources and the circumstances that he had for Jesus to be born. And when Jesus was a baby, we read later that they go to dedicate him in the temple, which was a custom to the Jews that God said to do. And so Joseph went and have, had Jesus dedicated. When danger came later, he was warned in a dream. They were trying to kill him. So what did he do? He picked up, and in the middle of the night, he left. 
He left his family. He left his friends. He left everything. He left his job. He left his social life. He took full responsibility for Mary and for Jesus. He was fully engaged. Now, how many guys do that today? How many guys are fully engaged fathers to their kids? I would hope all of us are, really do, but we know that we all have room to grow, don't we? We, we, we do. Many of us, myself included, sometimes I get satisfied. I just want to pay the bills. Maybe you're that way. And maybe we go to the hospital when the baby is born, but the spiritual stuff, we, we know all too well it's easy just to hand that off to mom. She's the nurturing one. She's the touchy-feely one, and that's really what spiritual stuff is, right? So we think. So, so that, that kind of goes off to mom. But the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians speaks right to fathers, and he says this. He says, fathers, bring up your kids in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, that's something that's supposed to come from dad. That's, supposed, that's something that's supposed to come from the man in the kid's life, the father. Bring them up in the training, say training, training and instruction. And sometimes we, we're, we're more than happy providing for, but when it comes to training, we shove that off to somebody else. Not Joseph. All that we read about him says that he was a fully engaged father, not an observer. He didn't delegate the spiritual growth to Mary, but he took the lead as they did it together. And this was the result. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we read what happens to Jesus. And this is the verse that kind of ties together his youth uh, into his full-time ministry as an adult. This is the verse that we have. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom. Say wisdom. Come on, talk to me here. Wisdom. And in stature. Say stature. And in favor with God and with all the people. He, he grew in wisdom. That means he grew intellectually. He grew in stature. That means he grew physically. He grew in favor with God. That means he grew spiritually. And he grew with all the people in favor with them. And that means he grew relationally. Jesus grew largely in part because of the influence that Joseph had in this young man's life. And isn't that the goal for us as parents and grandparents or aunts or uncles, whoever has that influence into the life of the kids? Isn't that the goal for them to grow intellectually and physically and spiritually and relationally? Joseph was, was present there. His character and his integrity, it left a, a profound mark on Jesus. So if we ask this question again that we asked in the beginning, why did God pick Joseph? Was it because his name came up randomly? Or did God seek out a good man and say, I've got a job for you to do? And Joseph stepped up to the plate, and he did it. Let me pose another question to you today. Is God still doing that? Is he? Is God still asking that question today? Does God still have things on this planet that he wants us to accomplish through him? Is he still looking for some good men to accomplish things for him? And I, I just want to spend the rest of our time kind of going back through these characteristics and kind of overlaying that template into our own lives, guys, and say that God is looking for some good men to do some things for him. Now, ladies, we're going to get to you uh, at another part in the series uh, when we get to Christmas through the eyes of Mary. So you're more than welcome to listen to the rest of this and draw from it, but you have to promise there's going to be no elbowing of the ribs of your man next to you as we go along. Can we all agree to that? Okay, the rest of you guys are toast. I'm just going to tell you right now. Guys, when, when God looks down and he has a job for someone to do, would you make the short list? Can God look at you and say, that's the kind of guy that I want doing this particular job for me? 
let's, let's look at through some of these characteristics again. And here's, here's the rule as we go forward. There's going to be no self-condemnation as we go, okay? The, this is not going to be, man, I am just doing a horrible job at this, and then that's it. If, if, if you're doing awesome at this, great, keep going. If you're, like, really failing it, then you may say, hey, I need to do better, but that's where I want you to focus. I, I want Pastor Ryan to give me some encouragement today to do better. And when I walk out of here, if, if I'm really blowing some of these, um, then no self-condemnation. This is just room for me to grow. Do you agree? Do you agree? All right. So he, Joseph pursued an honorable profession. I want to ask you a question. Are you honorable at your profession? Do you take your job seriously? Whatever it is, I don't care if you're retired, you still have a job on this planet. If you didn't, God would take you away from here. Do you take your job seriously? Now, I'm not talking about climbing the corporate ladder. Remember the verse in Colossians that we talked about a few minutes ago where it said this, whatever you do, whatever you do, no matter what job, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And that, that just raises some serious questions that I, I, I think about whenever I think about, you know, approach my job as if I'm doing it for the Lord. Well, then I, I ask this, do I go to work every day with the right attitude? Do I make the statement about my faith by the way that I work? Are, are people seeing Jesus in me because of the way I work, the, the, the words that come out of my mouth, the conversations I involve myself in, the integrity that I have with the decisions that I make? Another question that comes into mind, and some of you may really hate this, and I'm, I'm sorry, but, but do I look at the people I work with as an opportunity to share my faith? Or am I looking at the people I work with as an opportunity to avoid them. Is my job just a way to make money, or, or am I open for God to use me? Joseph had, you know, the respect of his peers as a hardworking man. The question I want to ask myself and the one I want to ask uh, you to ask yourself is, is, do I? Do I have the respect of my peers because of the way I handle myself at work? He pursued an honorable profession. Secondly, he, he made a lifelong commitment to Mary. When everything told him to bail, he stayed. He stuck it out. The question for us today is, do we keep our commitments? Do we? I'm not sure why guys struggle with this because it's, it's easy to make commitments and stick with them when it's, when it's about sports or whether it's about work. You know, sometimes we will leave our families to go handle something at work if it's got to get done to make sure that that, you know, doesn't slack whatsoever. And, and sometimes we will sacrifice our families to do it. Now, there are seasons where, where work has to take priority, and there's harmony in that when there's some good communication going on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about continually sacrificing our families to go handle other stuff, other commitments to the guys or, or work-related engagements. But when it comes to marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to other relationships, it's, it's easy to struggle with the commitments that we make because they're so normal to us and we don't really feel it anymore. We're kind of desensitized. A long time ago, a man's word was his bond. When he said it, it happened. If, if you told your kid you were going to be at his game, the kid didn't have a doubt in their mind. If you said to somebody you were going to make a financial commitment, then you made it. It was as good as, as, as the word. Good men make and keep honorable, godly commitments. And when they look at God and say, I'm going to, they do. A long time ago, uh, back in the 80s, Pastor Jim and his wife uh, were getting ready to be missionaries in the Philippines. And before I go into that story, let me just throw in a caveat real fast. Many of you know this, many of you don't. But Pastor Jim and his wife are my aunt and uncle. Did you know that? 
And the reason why I'm telling you that is because I can't say Kim or my mama's going to get me. I don't feel comfortable saying Kim. So when I tell this story, I'm going to say Aunt Kim. Um, I completely understand the boundaries of, of work, and, and he, he's my pastor, and I observe that, and I honor that. But when I tell this story, when I say Aunt Kim, that, <laughs> that's the reason why. Many years ago, back in the 80s, they, they were going to be missionaries in the Philippines, and they spent over a year getting commitments financially from people, you know, talking about the vision of what they were going to do, and people bought in. And so they're sitting at the airport over a year later, having all this commitment ready to go. And Aunt Kim looks at Pastor Jim and she says, do you think it's God's will for us actually to go to the Philippines? Or maybe he was just wanting to know if we were willing to go. You know? And he looks at her and says, you know what? We may have missed God's will completely on this, but we're going because we said we would. We're going because of the integrity in the eyes of all the people and our own integrity that, that says that we had commitments that says that we asked for commitment, and they committed to us. And so even if we only go for one term, we're going this one term because we said we would. And because of what they started way back in the 80s, many people have come to Christ, and God is still building on what they did. Do you keep your commitments even when it hurts? Do, do you keep your commitment even though, you know, I, I could kind of get out of this, but do you keep it because you said you would? Joseph did. Good men do. He kept his commitments. He made a lifelong commitment to Mary. He also honored God with his body. He committed to make himself pure before marriage, and he did it. He actually did it. Now, in this world, we have so many different messages flooding our minds with what, with what sex is all about. Do you choose to honor Christ, or do you choose to honor the culture around you? Do you honor God with your body? And I ask myself that, and I'm bold enough to ask you that same question. There's a story of a guy who went to his friend's bachelor party. And this particular guy was a Christian, but his friend the party that was having the party was not. But he went because this was one of his really good friends. And all of a sudden, hired women started to come in the door after they had been there for a while. You know what I'm saying? And he had a choice to make. And so what he did was he got up and he left the room. He slipped out of the room. And when asked later, you know, what happened, he said, listen, I've, I've made a decision I already have boundaries in my life, he said, and when those situations come up, he said, because of my faith and because of the respect I have for my wife, he says, I walk away because it's a commitment that I made to honor God with my body, and so I walk away from situations like that. Now, he didn't make a scene. He didn't blast his other friends, but it, he, it was a boundary that he had already settled in his mind long before he ever got in the situation. Do you know that if, if you don't put boundaries in your life when it comes to honoring God with your body, when those situations come up, they will overpower you? They will. You want to know why? Because you weren't made in and of yourself to be able to handle it. But when you put boundaries in your life, and what boundaries are is simply this, it defines what you say yes to and what you say no to. And if you already know what that is before you ever get into the situation, then you're going to have a good head on your shoulders to be able to say no. I, I, I say this about my own kids. I want them to know everything about sex from me so that when they get into school, they already have an opinion about it. Now, I can tell you this, they don't particularly like hearing that from me. And your kids may not particularly like hearing about it from you. But guys, let me just go ahead and be bold and say step up. I don't care if you never had the talk given to you or if it's kind of a weird subject. Step up and tell your kids about sex. Because if, if, if it's difficult for you to honor God with your body, knowing what you know, then how, how, how is it, how is it going to be for them whenever they're, they're getting bombarded with, with all these messages in our society and they have no idea from their earthly father what this is all about? 
Let them have an opinion about it before they ever get hit with it. Honoring God with their body. So if you're single, you ask yourself the question, am I going to remain celibate for God? And, and if you're married, it's not just am I physically faithful to my wife, but are my eyes pure? Even if, you know, it means walking out of the movie theater because of a scene, even if it means turning the channel or shutting off the computer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says this. It says, run from sexual sin. It says, run from it. It doesn't say avoid it if possible or try to abstain. It says, run from, your, run from it. Run for your life. It doesn't get any more clear than that. So how, how are you doing with this one? If, if this was the very first Christmas and God was looking down at somebody, would you make the short list? If he was looking down, he was saying, I, I'm looking for somebody to, to father my son. Would you make the short list? If he was looking for a good man, he honored God with his body. He also, he also treated Mary graciously. He treated Mary graciously. Now, this, this wasn't just an action. You know what this meant? This meant he processed his pain in a healthy way. Joseph was shattered. And, and even if he thought about, about shaming Mary, he resisted. And, and he treated her graciously. Now, men can feel and handle really deep emotion. We can. And, and it's easier just to kind of stuff that down and not deal with it. Because let's just face it, people can leave us hanging on this, in this life, can't they? We, 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 a, a woman can betray you. People can misuse your trust. And it's easy to just stuff it down. But good men, the kind that the Bible talks about, the kind that Joseph was, they hold God's hand as they walk through this pain, and they begin to process it in a healthy way. They don't ignore it. They don't suppress it with some drug or some other cover-up, which can be anything a lot of which we can get away with in society. We, we can go to work and become workaholics. We can bury ourselves in some hobby and completely ignore the, the pain that we have and never process it. But good men process through it. But sadly, many guys go through life with a backpack full of anger, and they, and they push people away who could help. And that backpack gets heavier, and it gets heavier and heavier because it's never dealt with. It doesn't go away. If you sweep dust under a rug and, and go 15 years, guess what? You pull it back, it's still there. And that anger is there. And, and what we carry gets heavier and heavier. And sometimes we just even, we don't even realize it's there because we've gotten so desensitized to it. But it affects the way we treat everybody around us and every relationship that we're in. And we're making, we're making decisions on the surface, and we don't even realize that they're tethered to a, a deep hurt that we've never dealt with way down deep. And they wonder why they get older and they become more pessimistic. Job chapter 21, verse 23 and verse 25 says this. It kind of talks about the dichotomy between the two. It says, one man dies in full vigor, completely secure and at ease. And another man dies in bitterness of soul, never having enjoyed anything good. There is those two types of people. You know what the difference is? How they handled their pain how they processed their pain. Because here's the reality. Trouble is happening on planet Earth. You, you don't escape it. it. It is a reality. And so you get to deal with, or you get to choose how you deal with it. You get to choose. Will you become better or will you become bitter? Joseph processed his pain in a very healthy way, and it enabled him to be gracious to the relationship that he had. And then Joseph did this, last one. He listened to and obeyed the voice of God. Second to last one. 
He listened to and he obeyed the voice of God. Let me ask you this, guys. Do you listen for God's voice and then respond when he speaks? Do you? Joseph did because that's what righteous men do. I, I know a man who was uh, adopted at a very adolescent age. This was a, a small boy at the time, and he and his brother had a mom and a dad who were drug addicts. And the mom and the dad ended up splitting, and then mom had boyfriend, and boyfriend and mom were in hotel rooms, and they'd have the, the two younger kids with them. And they would leave, and they would be gone for a full day, leaving those two small boys in the hotel room by themselves. And they'd come back, and they'd be strung out, and they'd be unconscious, and just left the two alone. You can imagine all the implications it has on two growing uh, boys. And eventually, social services gets involved. They end up going to a children's home. Um, and they had to live with the hurt. And they eventually, one of the boys uh, gets adopted when he's about 12, 11 or 12, something in there. And he kind of grows up in, in the church and from, from that time, but he still is carrying all that. You know, that doesn't just go away. You know that, right? And at about 20 years old, God calls him to preach. And he, he wrestles with it. He's like, you know, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Is, is my past and all the hurt that I feel, you know, do I have what it takes? And he began to wrestle with this, and the question then became is, was he going to listen to and respond to God, or was he going to let his doubts keep him sidelined? Because we all can do that. When God calls us to do something or when God speaks something into our lives, if we're bold enough to listen, we all go through that question is, is am I good enough, or, or, or do I want to? Sometimes we just don't humanly. Or, or is, you know, am I going to give in to all the pressures around me that kind of compare my life versus what God is calling me to do? And, and are we bold enough to say yes? And praise God, this guy was. He was. He, and in years to come, he planted a church. And that church is now one of the fastest growing churches in the Holly Springs area. And here's the point. Whether you're a young man who's been called to preach or if you're an engaged man whose fiance turns up pregnant, God uses men who will say yes and listen to him and obey his voice. The question I have for you and me is, is that who we are? Do we listen to and obey the voice of God? Last one, Joseph was a fully engaged father. He was a fully engaged father. The question I have for all of us is, is do you devote yourself to your family? Joseph put it all on the line, not, not only when he said yes to God and, and he chose Mary, but also whenever he put it on the line and he stayed and he raised Jesus. He was engaged in his life, and God used him profoundly, as we see. Have you ever heard the expression, like, father, like son? How true is that? You ever heard the expression, the apple didn't fall far from the tree? Kids see. They see what their parents do, and they, they emulate it. They actually become that in a lot of ways. And good men understand how true that statement is, and they pay careful attention to their words. They pay careful attention to the actions. And they also understand this. They also understand the impact of being silent, and they understand the impact of being absent. My own dad understands this. He grew up in a not-so-Christian home, and he had to deal as a small child with the hurt of divorce he had to deal with the hurt of later on as an adolescent, uh, the uh, untimely death of his father. But my dad decided a long time ago that he wasn't going to raise his kids the same way, that it was going to be different. 
And in fact, he, me and my two brothers and my sister, we grew up in a godly home that was completely different than the way he was raised. Now, I love my grandparents. I love my family. This is no slam on any of them. But it was just one man's decision that said, I am going to raise my kids different. I am going to fully engage in their lives when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God. I am going to raise them to be, to be spiritual giants in this kingdom for him. And because of my dad deciding that, we all grew up to trust God. Every one of us. Now, we all went through our, our years. That's why the word says you train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get older, right, they won't depart from it. I don't know why there's that thing in between. Uh, I guess as stubbornness, I don't know. But every single one of us are serving God. Every single one of us. Two of us are, are, three of us are serving at churches. And my sister serves at her church on a volunteer capacity and, and has a Christian home. And he wasn't perfect, my dad. But you know what? He was a great dad. And as the years go by, I still find myself looking up to him. Why? Because he said yes to God and he engaged in our lives. Dads, do you fully engage in the life of your kids? I want to encourage you to do it. And maybe you've, you've kind of given this some thought today and you want to do better. And I, I applaud you for that. I encourage you, do, do something as simple as this. Read the Christmas story to your kids found in the book of Matthew. Do it. Read it to them. You tuck them in instead of making mom do it. Maybe talk to them, and after you read the Christmas story, just one or two things that impacted you from the story. They would love to hear what dad thinks about it. Because why? You have influence in their lives. I, I encourage you to do that. Think of some project that you could do this Christmas season for somebody in need. One, one of the cool things that we're doing uh, as part of the bridge is called It's a Wrap. And you're probably going to hear about this as, as the weeks go on. Uh, but we have a box in our lobby at guest services, and we're asking for you to donate gift cards, 20 or $25 gift cards. And that's something that you and your family can do. Make them uh, sacrifice a little bit of their allowance or, or encourage them to. And do it as a family and say, this year we are going to help people in need that the bridge is going gonna, is gonna to help, and we're going we're gonna to take and we're going to sacrifice to get some gift cards. And we have a box you can put it in. That's one of the ways that you can make this a family thing. Don't just do it out of out of compulsion and go get one and throw it in. Make it a family thing. Lead your kids. Be fully engaged in their lives. Dad, you can do that. Joseph was a fully engaged father. 2,000 years ago, God went looking for a man, a good man, and he found one in Joseph. Does he find one in you? He asked Joseph to say yes to a job, a difficult job even by itself, much less the circumstances that he found himself in when God asked him to do it. But Joseph didn't shrink back. He said yes to God. And I just want to say there are so many jobs that God is trying to get accomplished here on this earth. Why he uses men and women and kids, why he uses the, the human race to accomplish things for him. Has a, he could do it himself. He doesn't need us. Like somehow we could give something to God that he doesn't have. But he loves you. <laughs> he, he loves you. Not just from this afar off, yes, I made him, yes. He, he desires you. 
And that's what's amazing about God. He is all omnipotent, all powerful, all knowing. He, he doesn't need us from that aspect, but he loves you enough to say, I want to be in relationship with you, and I want to pour things into your life and us do things together that mean something to me and mean something to you to draw us nearer together. Now, I don't know a lot of people on this planet that would say something like that to me, much less the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He goes looking for, for people. He's got jobs all over that he wants done on this planet. Big jobs, small jobs, medium-sized jobs, all catered to your specific set of skills. And he's always going to leave a little bit of faith in there so that you can rely on his strength. But he desires you. He's got so many jobs he wants done. And he's looking around the earth and he's saying, are you the type of person that will say yes to me? Are you a person that can get in right standing with me? I, I made a way through Jesus for that to happen. Have you accepted him? Would you say yes to God today? And I just got to say, maybe that's a decision that you have never made before, and you're contemplating that today. I want you to know that you're exactly where God has you for a specific reason right now, and it's not to come get a feel-good at church. You're here to hear me say right now that God loves you and is asking you to choose him. Can we just pray together? And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're feeling that, that tug at your, at your heart. You don't, kind of don't know how to describe that. I mean, just go ahead and clear up the air here. That's God speaking to you. That's God drawing you in. That's God asking you to say yes to him. He's talking to your spirit. And I, I just wonder if you'd say yes to him today. And what I'm going to do as I do this is I'm just going to pray. And God hears your heart. That's the beautiful thing about God. He doesn't make choosing him complicated. He doesn't make it... Uh, some mystery. So I'm just going to pray, and if that's you today, if you just want to agree with the prayer in your heart, and God will hear it, and you can walk out of here different, having said yes to God. Let's do this together. God, I know that I need you. I know you're calling me, and I want to make myself available for you. But before that happens, Lord, I, I want to take care of of my eternity. I want to take care of my spiritual condition. I know you came to die for me because that's what the scriptures say. I know you came to sacrifice for me and pay a price that I couldn't pay myself by coming to this earth and dying on the cross. I believe that you really died. I believe that you really went to the grave and I believe that you really rose again to life, demonstrating your power over death. You're the only one that did that. You're the only one that's worthy enough to give me new life because of what happened there. And I believe that you really went back to heaven. I, I'm not perfect, God, but I know that you are. And so I want to aim my heart at you every day when I get up and live for you to the very best that I can. And I'm trusting you to make up the difference in my life. And every, everybody all over this room, guys especially today, I wonder if you'd be as bold as to pray this prayer. God, I want to say yes to you. The things that you've already told me, God, the things that you've already called me to do, and I've been kind of sitting on it or shoving it to the back burner. Lord, I, today I say yes. I make that commitment to you, God. I say yes. Could you be as bold as to pray that prayer today? For those of you who maybe who haven't heard God speak yet, you, you pray this. Be as bold as to pray this. Lord, I... I want to be the kind of guy that when you look down and you have something for me to do, that you, you something for a good man to do, you see me 
you help me work it out in my life in such a way that, that, that when you see me, you choose me and I say yes. Lord, if, if you choose me, I'm willing. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do the things you want me to do. If it doesn't seem popular or if, it, if it's a little bit difficult and requires my faith, Lord, put it on the record books right now that I'm available and that I'm willing. Make me whatever you want me to be. Change me any way you want. I believe with all my heart, Lord, that you are working all things together for my good because I love you and I've been called according to your purpose. And let's just end that bold prayer by saying amen together. Can you say it? Amen. Can you say amen with me? Amen. If you, if you want to have some prayer today and you want to come down here to the front, there's going to be some people that, that will pray with you. Um, I just want to encourage you, if you made a spiritual decision today, please let us know about that. You can indicate it on your Connect card. I would love to follow up with you, someone on our team as well. And we just want to make sure that you uh, feel loved. We want to make sure that you understand what's, what's next for you, um, not just at the bridge, but as a believer in the body of Jesus Christ. If this is your very first time here today, I would love to take about just two or three minutes and just put a face with a name and just meet you. So uh, if, if you're a very first time guest today, uh, we're going to be meeting right outside in the lobby in the seating area. So if you feel comfortable and you want to make your way over there, I would absolutely love uh, to meet with you right at the service. Guys, have a great week, and I'll see you next time.